the analysis you want without the interruptions. Only on Twitch.tv slash Q Sports. Get out of town! Wow! Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please, get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Bayheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie... It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. It is Centers of Attention. I am Paulie Sebelia with Atan Thomas and Roosevelt Bowie. New thing uh, on ESPN Syracuse we're doing. Two hours of Centers of Attention. First hour, Danny Shays and Seth Everett. Second hour, myself, Rosie, and Atan. Guys, how are we doing this morning? I'm yeah, doing good. Can't complain too much. How you doing, Roosevelt, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Tan. I surely appreciate it. And uh, uh, Tan, you weren't here yesterday in, uh, on twitch.tv slash Talk. If you notice, Rosie has a, uh, a green screen behind him. So a, a new bit we're going to do on the show is we are going to put Rosie in a different spot around the world every day. So at some point today, if you're watching on <laughs> Twitch, Rosie will pop up somewhere in the world. So... Be watching hey on Twitch for that. That sounds good. <laughs> At least give me a little background so I can, I'll know how to dress. I'll be warm or cooler. I'll, I won't be overdressed. You guys want to get right into sports here and hit our quick hitters for the day? Let's go Let's for it. Let's do it. Anthony Davis has been reported to have declined a max extension from the Lakers. I don't really think that's a big deal. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you have to be able to negotiate and, and test the waters and, and negotiate the best price that you can give. I know a lot of people are kind of worried and say, oh, does that mean that he's leaving? Is he going to go to the Chicago Bulls? What's going to happen? I think this is all part of the process. That's my opinion. You know, my opinion would be the same thing. You know, why tie yourself right? Tie yourself down. He has, I don't think he has any intention of going anywhere. They got something good going on there, but it opens it up for, for his team to show that they really want him. All right, moving right along. Stephen A. Smith is claiming that Kawhi Leonard said, tell LeBron James, stop being scared to guard me. Okay. Now, when, when people say, you know, according to sources and all that stuff, it makes me have a question mark in, in, in itself. But, you know, anybody that knows Kawhi Leonard knows that he's known for being a huge trash talker, right? You know, he just he just talks noise all over the place. Like, he's just, he just can't stop talking. I, I don't really buy this myself. Now, if you told me that Patrick Beverly said this, I would say, yeah, that sounds like something Patrick Beverly would say. But for Kawhi Leonard, I'm like, you know, Stephen A., you might need to check your sources on that one. Yeah, you know, guys guys say a lot of things that are meant for the ears of the people that are right around them. It's not meant for, the, for public consumption. And uh, I'm pretty sure he'd have every opportunity if he wanted to say something directly to LeBron James, he could walk right up and say it to him or just tap some uh, media person on the shoulder and say, listen, can you pass on this message for me? Then you can get it right from the horse's mouth. Yeah, we're, we're doing uh, quick hitters right now, uh, going around the sports world. Coming up later on, we'll have Michael Eaves from SportsCenter and ESPN and former center Arenze Anawaku, SU legend. Uh, that, that's a lot of big men in one show. We're going to stick with <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, guys. He had this to say about the Rooney Rule. There is a Rooney Rule in place, and still this kind of stuff is happening. I want to announce on national television that I personally am going to take it upon myself 
whether it's to communicate with the NFL league office, whether it's to communicate with owners, whether it's to sit up here and raise holy hell, whether it's to recruit my contemporaries in this business to address it, we got a problem. This is some BS. Ain't no way around this. We moving in a reverse direction. We moving in a reverse direction. Black men are not being treated fairly in the National Football League. Somebody got to say it. Guys, your thoughts. First, I wish he would stop yelling. But um, I, I, I agree with what he was saying. You know what I mean? I do agree with everything that he said. Um, I think it is a problem. I think that, you know, the, the it's been kind of a farce right now. But I, I got to say, I got to push him a little bit on this because, you know, he's saying this about the NFL and he's recognizing this is a problem. But I can't for the life of me understand why he doesn't feel why he feels that the NFL was genuinely interested in getting Kaepernick a fair shot. He did that same rant and saying that Kaepernick blew his blew his opportunity. I mean, this is the same NFL we're talking about. That that part is the part that I'd have to challenge him on. But I agree with everything he said about the Rooney Rule. Uh, first of all, who came up with the name the Rooney Rule? They, they, they got to work on some better names. But just, just off just off the top of my head, Etan, the very first thing I was going to say is. He's got to stop yelling. It's it, 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 it kind of he seems angry. I, I want to give him a you know I want to give him something to, to calm him down a little bit, uh, a chamomile or something that used to give us in Italy. But you know his point his points are good, but he's I think he's scaring away a lot of people with it, with it, with it, with his yelling, and uh, that that's just that's just me because you know I'm used to being around calm and quiet. And he starts yelling, and I, I'm like, it's like somebody puts, puts me in front of a, a blow dryer at, at 100 miles an hour. So, All right. Now, uh, I am not only the short guy on the show, I am also the, uh-huh. the Caucasian guy on the show. And I want to ask you guys a question no. about, the, about the Rooney Rule. Okay. Uh, uh, Go for it. Is it more – it was built with good intentions by the Rooney family. Now, is, is it more pandering than it is helping at this point? Well, I think the reason why you would say that it's more pandering is because it's not being taken seriously. The problem is, I think Bamani Jones like brilliantly expressed it, is that we have to to speak about the underlying racism that still exists in the NFL. That's what we have to be able to speak and be able to call it by name. You know what I mean? There's a reason why there's only three black coaches and you have coaches, black coaches who are very qualified, who are getting a, a, a token interview where they're not being taken seriously. And this is the reason why the Rooney Rule was implemented in the first place to be able to um, cut down on this kind of um, keeping black coaches out of, you know, of the NFL. Um, you know, but they need to do something because there's a reason why, you know, that you, you see the qualifications and you, that, that are that, you know, many black coaches have and they're not getting positions and they're not getting taken seriously. That, that that's a problem. Yeah, they, they, what's that old saying is the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, I'm pretty sure that uh, it uh, something had to be done. I'm just not sure that you have to make a rule and then you and then you name it. I think uh, things might work out a little better if you just come in and get everybody in the room and sit down and say, hey, listen, these are the facts. There are these, these coaches, these uh, African-American coaches that are, that are available, and, they're, they're, and they are qualified. Explain to us why you're not hiring them. All right, guys, we've got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Michael Eaves from ESPN will join us uh, and... 
Uh, Renze Anawaku coming up at uh, the bottom of the hour. You can catch us on twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. That does not roll off the tongue. And on ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome back into Centers of Attention. I am Paulie Sibilia. The centers are Atan Thomas and Roosevelt Bowie. And uh, Atan does an amazing job of getting great guests for this show. And we are pleased to be joined by Michael Eaves from ESPN right now. Michael, welcome in. What's happening, guys? Good morning. Uh, thanks for calling on to the show today, Michael. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Dave Zirin wrote an article um, in The Nation and said, can sports be a site of war resistance? And in the article, he you know, he talked about where we are right now in the war and the history of, of athlete activism with athletes using their voice against the war. Um, he, he quoted Colin Kaepernick, and one of the people that he quoted was um, Justin Jackson of the L.A. Chargers, who said, um, so we can drone strike a foreign leader from the sky with a death robot all the way in Iraq, but we can't get clean water pipes under Flint. And that's and he used that on his social media. Do you think that's a good idea for athletes to involve themselves in the war, or should they kind of just stay out of those type of things? You know, that's always going to be a personal choice. I believe it always has been. I think as it relates to uh, the effect it may have on their career, it depends on the athlete and how good they are at what they do. It's one thing for a superstar athlete like Muhammad Ali or LeBron James more recently to say some things out on that level and have some type of effect on their career that they can withstand. Um, But if you're someone that doesn't have that much status or you don't bring in um, that much production in the, in the team's eyes, you may be end up costing yourself your career or your next contract, what have you. But ultimately what history tells us matters is how people feel about whatever issue these athletes are addressing. Um, if it's with the majority, they'll be fine. If it's against the majority, then that's where they have some issues that they may have to face from an adverse condition. But again, it's never what history says. It's never so much about the message um, itself unless people at a large population don't agree with it. You know, one thing that I I've... definitely uh, agree with you on that one. Yeah. You know, one Go thing ahead, that, I, that I've... That, no, no problem. One thing that, I, that I've seen is... Now, my, my point of view is this, that, you know, an athlete, when he's, when he's playing, he's there to play and give it, give it 100%. And then I've always felt that when you finish playing, you always have to have something that, you, that you're just as passionate about, that you jump into, and that you can give 100% to. So I've never been able to, to do both at the same time. That could be my shortcomings. But when a player is playing, he plays basketball, and when... When he's, when he's finished playing, he's identified what's important to him, and then he can jump right in there and then focus on doing that without being distracted by fans and politics. Well, again, I think that's a personal choice as well. Like, everything's not for everybody, and we could have the same issue or the same idea, but different people will approach it differently. Um, some people are able to juggle multiple things at one point. Other people need to focus on one thing at a time before moving on to the next task. And again, that is just that people do things differently. I'm not quite sure how you can criticize those who take a different approach to the way you might do something. And just what really matters is what's getting done with either approach. 
I um, Michael, I, I wrote an article uh, for The Guardian, and I saw you retweeted it. So when I saw you retweet, I was like, okay. You know what I mean? He, he definitely has an opinion about it. Uh, the article is about David Stern and his complex mm -hmm. legacy. And I wanted to make the point that it's worthy of high respect and close inspection as well. Um, what was your thoughts of the article? What did you agree with, and what did you disagree with? Well, here's my thing about David Stern, and you know, I, I've had several conversations with David Stern uh, through the years during my career. Uh, when I lived in Memphis, when the Grizzlies moved from Vancouver, that was my first time to to talk to him. And then living in LA for ten years, and since then, I've talked to him countless times. And there's no question that he is clearly one of the greatest executives in American sports history, maybe the best commissioner of all time, quite honestly. But mm -hmm. oftentimes, when people die, we only want to talk about the good things about their lives and leave out certain things because it makes some people uncomfortable or out of respect you don't want to talk about certain things well if, if you're going to do a true um, look back on anyone's career you have to talk about all of the things that mattered at that time but also mark what his overall legacy is and one thing that stood out to me about David Stern and only because he said this you know recently uh, a couple of years prior to his death was around Colin Kaepernick and he said that to the effect that I believe if Colin Kaepernick was in the NBA he would still be on a team right now well that's not the same David Stern who didn't want Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf to stand during the national anthem but or or miss it and go back to the locker room or what have you he was punished for that or craig hodges when david stern was also a commissioner who wrote a letter to president bush i believe it was at the time outlining certain things things that he didn't like and all of a sudden now craig hodges can't get on any nba roster and he has to go to the all-star weekend to defend his three-point shooting contest crown wearing a jersey that just said NBA because he wasn't on a roster. Those things happen under David Stern's watch as well. So again, is that the largest part of his legacy? No, not even close to. But in the wake of what he said, I just thought that stood out that he would say that now, but he acted differently when similar issues arose when he was commissioner of the NBA. Very well said. Very well said. And I, I, you know, I obviously agree with with your assessment of it. And, and I think there's a lot of different points. You know, I'm somebody who kind of used my platform to really speak out a lot um, when I was during my playing days and my, my post playing days. And, you know, one of the things that I found interesting is that the, the, the culture that is different now as opposed to under David Stern. So now before under David Stern, when I was speaking, I was kind of looked at as an anomaly. You know what I mean? Because and I, I think that that's because of the atmosphere that David Stern created, that if you did speak out, there was going to be some type of punishment for you. But now under Adam Silver is completely different. Athletes have no reservation of using their social media to speak out or speak out against the war, or say they don't agree with Trump or speak about police brutality. And, and I think a lot of that is pointed to the different atmosphere that the two commissioners created. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I would say that Adam Silver was definitely going to be different than Adam Stern. Excuse me, David Stern, even though Adam it was mentored by Stern. Um, but, you know, David Stern back then, let's, let's, forget, let's not forget this as well. I mean, he worked for the owners, right? I mean, that was his deal. He worked for the owners, number one. If the owners weren't down with it, then David Stern had to work on their behalf. And he did that 
numerous ways. One was the dress code, one was the CBA negotiations, and that left a lot of bad taste in the mouths of several players throughout the league, and some of them still bring that up now if you talk about David Stern in that capacity. But I will say this, you have to give David Stern credit for this, though. He was progressive on certain um, aspects of the league in terms of public outreach and community outreach. You know, they have heritage nights throughout the NBA, pretty much every team based on local communities, whether it's Jewish, Latin American, Asian, what have you. All of that came under David Stern's watch, and he spearheaded a bunch of that. He also spearheaded the WNBA. He was about getting more women involved in the game. So again, there's good things and bad things that happened during David Stern's watch that you have to bring up when you're talking about him as a whole, that neither one of them defined him specifically, but collectively that gives you an idea of what his tenure was like. Now, the thing about Adam Silver is he's a younger dude who was well abreast of social media, way more so than David Stern was because of just age and generational aspects, and that's why the league is going to be different. All these kids coming into the league now have had you know, the internet and social media in their pocket for the majority of their lives. So it's going to be different now than it was when David Stern was there and everything was controlled by media access. Adam Silver recognizes that, and as a result, yeah, the league's going to be way different in that regard. Yes, Itana, it's funny that you, you talk about being being outspoken because when I first came back here from Europe, uh, Coach Orr and I, Louis Orr, sat down and we talked about you. And he said uh, he's a great guy, he's a great athlete, he's opinionated, and we, we both laughed about it. We said, you know what, that, that's fine. <laughs> we, that's fine. We enjoy that. We'll find room for him. So congratulations on what you've done up until now. No, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that, sir. But um, I, I think that right now, this is the last question, then I'll let you go. Um, I think now we've entered a realm where, you know, athletes are using their voices more and more. Um, as I just as I just uh, read the, the quote um, from Justin Jackson, do you think that that in itself uh, kept Kaepernick out of the league? Now, now, a lot of people say that they're looking at this, this second chance um, that the NFL. I wrote an article, said that I thought it was a farce. You know, other people have different opinions. What is your opinion on um, the reasons behind Kaepernick being ostracized by the league and continuing to be ostracized for the league? Two reasons. One, majority of the owners did not agree with his methods or what he was actually protesting. Two, just about all the owners probably thought it was going to cost them money. It's as simple as that. If, if it was a message that they agreed with, whether it's, you know, and I hate using the word politics with what he was talking about because we're not talking about uh, foreign policy or education bills and things of that right. nature. Um, but it, it goes under that political spectrum because people use that word uh, as, a, as a detriment to a conversation. They didn't agree with what he was doing especially in the wake of how NFL as a whole, but individual teams as well, have aligned themselves with you know, the, the U.S. military and, and things of that nature that happened before the game. So they didn't want him doing that in the face of what they were doing and getting money from the government as well, because all that pregame stuff was all paid for by several different branches of the military. But then he also thought, based on the backlash of all the people involved, that it was going to cost them money, whether it was through season tickets, sponsorships, what have you. And one thing we know about NFL owners, they didn't get rich by giving away money. Okay? So if they thought it was going to affect their bottom line, the majority of them were not going to be down with it. And they didn't like the way Kaepernick was, was going about his business. And if it was going to affect their business, there's no way he's going to be in the league. 
His name is Michael Eves, ladies and gentlemen, Emmy Award-winning sports journalist and current ESPN Sports Center anchor. Thank you for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. No problem, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you. That was Michael Eves. Back to you, Paulie. I got you. That was a great interview, guys. We'll be back with more on Q Sports Talk on Twitch. I found that's the easier way to say it. And ESPN Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk. And on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome back to Centers of Attention. I am Paulie Sibili with Aton Thomas, Roosevelt Bowie, and we will add one more center to the Centers of Attention. Orenze Anawaku is joining us. Orenze, welcome in. And uh, the big thing uh, these guys are always talking about on the show is that the big men are not getting the ball enough uh, this year. What is your take on this year's team in the big man position? My take is we really don't have somebody down there to throw the ball to. Um, I mean, most of the times when you see a good Syracuse team, you see a dominant big, but right now we really don't have that. So, I mean, I understand why the guards are shooting the ball pretty much every much time, every time because we don't have a guy in the post to even play that. Hey, what's going on, Renze? This is the Tom Thomas. And this is my attention, and what I always say. If if you're not going to throw on the ball to, to the post the way they did, like with you, like when they we started off, throwing the ball to you in the post like a couple of times and then you just go to work uh, showing all those post moves reminding me a lot of Otis Hill you know what I mean with your footwork but if we don't have that type of a big man there's other ways to get the big man involved uh, last year I was wanting them to get Chuku involved a little bit more by, by you know pick and roll and lobbing it up to him you know what I mean? I thought that was like wide open. They would do it every now and then, but I, but didn't do it enough. This year, I think the same thing. They set one of those picks and roll hard to the basket, and they actually did it one time um, last game. I just don't think they do it enough. Do you think that's the way that they could involve the big men a little bit more? I definitely think that's the way, but I think it comes with trust. You know, when you got guys that in the post that really don't score, really don't want the ball, really don't demand the ball, you know, as a big, you know, the trust is game usually in practice. So, you know, if you're practicing with these guys every day and you're seeing that, you know, you're throwing passes to them and they're not catching it or they, they don't want the ball, then it, it changes in the game. I feel like, of course, you need a dominant big or somebody that can catch a lob to even be a good team, but I don't feel like the trust is there between the bigs and the guards right now. You know, one of the things that I found out, one of the things that I found out what I did often once I became a professional is whenever I had to do big man work where we're doing one-on-one -on -one, uh, near the basket, I would always ask the guy that played on the side of the ball predominantly with me to come down and pass the ball to me. It did two things. It gave him a chance to take a break from what he was doing, and it also gave him a chance to see what kind of work that I was putting in and that I was ready, and then he could actually be there seeing that he passed the ball to me where I wanted it and just learn more about it because a lot of times they're not comfortable because they don't spend that much time passing the ball to one another. In a game, you throw the ball in there four or five times. In practice, if, if you're doing your workout, you're talking about doing repetitions of 10, 15 at a time. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I was the same way. I was the same way. I always wanted to get the chemistry, but whether it was my point guard or my shooting guard, um, during practice, so in the game they're comfortable with it. And like you said, when they see you putting the work in, they see you throwing, they throwing passes, and you catching everything. Then in the game, it becomes second nature. They they throw it, they throw no look passes, they throw lives to you without even looking at you because they know you will be there. But like I said, I think it's just having that trust factor between the big and the guard. 
you know, watching the game a lot of times we go small. Um, you know, and I'm not a big fan of going small at all whatsoever. Uh, can I, I can't be any more clear about that. I'm not a fan of us going small at all. What do you think um, how that's going to work as we get into this ACC uh, going small, putting Dolezal at the at the five? Gary, hey, you know, he, he's active and I like him as a player. Uh, yeah, he makes mistakes, but I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. But I still don't like going small. What do you think about us in, a, in, in the way that we go small now? Well, you know one thing, Bayham loves shooters, so I understand why he usually tries to keep shooters on the floor. But like you said, I don't like going small either, but like I said, I just don't see a, a center on the court that can that's giving them much right now, and I think that's why a coach is like, okay, I'll just try to outshoot the other team because the big is not giving us much. Um, Dolezal, I like him because he's aggressive. He may not be as talented, but at least he, he's more aggressive, but like, we have that big seven-footer on the bench. I haven't seen him play, but, I mean, he looks like he's a big guy that can take up space and look athletic, but I don't know if Coach trusts him yet as being a freshman. But I think they're still trying to figure it out. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know you got some guys that's proven with, like, an Eli and, like, a, a buddy. Um, but outside of that, I don't really know who they who they got trust in. We're talking to Lorenzo Anawaku. Rosie? You know what, I was thinking, the one thing that I was thinking about, you know, being a big, you never want to see him go small, so let's put that out there. But the, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, I like Elijah Hughes on the low post also. He's got a big body, he's strong. Take him down there, uh, and when you got a mis- mismatch, and just uh, punish him. Yeah, I like I like Eli. I like Eli all over the floor. I like him at the prune, I like him in the post. But once again... They're running an offense where Eli seems to always be catching the ball way outside the three-point line. So um, I think for him to be able to do that, there would have to be a play put in for where a coach would tell him, you know, this next play is maybe a cross screen on the block and you go to work down here. But yeah, I, li- I like the idea of Eli down there too. Um, Lorenzo, I want to I want to bring up something to you because I, I really think that that year – um, was y'all year, uh, the year that you had your, your injury. Um, you know, I, I, you, you were really, everything was clicking on, on all cylinders. You know what I mean? And I, I really had y'all are winning it all. When you reflect back on that time, do you think that y'all could have won that, that, in, that entire, um, you know, season win before you had the injury? Yeah, I definitely believe that. Coach tells me every time he sees me, so he makes sure he reminds me every time he sees me. But um, I mean, I really wasn't even supposed to be playing that year. I was, I was, I was, I was in pain off the court, twenty four hours a day. Um, my knee, was, my my knee had been bothering me from the beginning of the year. But I wanted to play so bad because you know it was my senior year, and I was trying to get drafted and all the above. So when when the injury happened, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised because um, I really wasn't even supposed to be playing. But if we did, if I did play, I, I pretty much know for sure. We would have won it. I mean, we had we had such a talented team. We had a deep team. Um, we were number one in the country, and like people didn't want to play us. So I, I felt like yeah, it would have done great um, in, the, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I have to tell you, it, it kind of broke my heart because you had all my buddies out there, little Andy Routens, and uh, you guys were putting in work. And when you got hurt, uh, I think I I may I may have dropped a tear. <laughs> you weren't the only one dropping tears. 
Yeah, and it was at the game. I remember I was watching it. It was against Georgetown. It was uh, like Greg Monroe. Um, it was like a regular play. It, it, it looked like you were, and you mentioned just now that you were hurt before, and it looked like it one of those plays because you, you went up and it's like that was kind of it. You know what I mean? Almost like you, like something, you know, before, like not, not like a collision or anything like that. It's just like you went up and you could see immediately, you know, that something was wrong. Almost like you got like hit in the knee or something like that. Like you, like you almost felt a pop or something. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I thought the pop. But you know, they always say that the worst injuries are the non-contact injuries. So when you see an injury like that without contact, you know it's usually something not good. So, yeah, I felt the pop, and I kind of knew, like, something was really wrong. Hey, Ayo, before right. we let you go, uh, can you let us know what you've got going on now? You got a website or anything you want to throw out there for everybody? Yeah, I got a clothing website. I do, uh, like, everyday clothes, basketball clothes, and Syracuse gear. It's called AO Studio. 21.com. Um, I have a nonprofit as well. I'm doing this, the AO Foundation, and I'm still playing. So I'm I'm in and out of different countries. I'm, I'm in DC right now, but you know I can get a call tomorrow and be leaving again. So I'm probably gonna play maybe two, three more years, and then figure out what I'm gonna do next. Let me, let me ask you real quick before you leave, because I you know we, we both live in, in in Maryland. I see him all the time in the gym. Um, tell me some of the guys that you were working with. Um, I saw some big players from players from overseas, different guys when I'm in there working out with some of the guys from my from my AAU team. Tell me some of the guys that y'all work together because it's cool because in, in Maryland, PG County, you know, we always would get together and work out. You know, I used to work out with Renze in the summer. Where were we going to? Bowie, Bowie State? And we'd be working out up there. But tell some of the guys that you work out with right now. Well, the good thing about living in this area is that we dominate. Um, the basketball circuit. So you have guys um, from everywhere, from Austin Freeman, Henry Sims, Georgetown, Chris Wright, Georgetown. We got Howard guys. We got guys from George Mason. We got guys that pretty much played everywhere. I mean, high-level guys, high-level Europe, some NBA guys, um, Markel Fultz, Jeff Green, um, Michael Beasley, Hashim Thabit. We have a lot of guys coming in out the gym on a regular basis. So the good thing about it being in this area, you don't have to worry about the talent. The talent will be at the gym. You just got to show up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, keep working hard. And thanks again for coming on the show. We're going to have to have you on again, talk a little bit about a big man stuff. But keep working hard, though. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That is yeah, no Renzi Anawaku, guys. Uh, Another big man. You guys got to get a point guard on this show. You, I, you got to. Oh, well, we have Griff on every once in a while. Maybe we'll get we have Jay, Griff every week. We'll get Jason Hart on or something sometime in the near future. That's cool. <laughs> we'll be back with more centers of attention on ESPN Syracuse on Twitch Q Sports Talk and on the radio ESPN ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one. This is Centers of Attention. Welcome back into Centers of Attention. Paulie, Atan, and Rosie. And guys, we got a phone call, and it's Greg in Fayetteville. Greg, what's up? Hi. Uh, I've been <clears throat> listening to a lot of the phone calls all week about uh, how we failed to uh, recruit a big man. And uh, it, it seems a little weird to me that uh, today, for instance, we've had three of the best big men. Uh, that we've had in a long time on the radio. And I started thinking back about Christmas, about uh, Fab Mello, about Cycli, even going back further. And uh, there's just been a, a lot of good uh, centers. 
uh, in Syracuse, and I don't think that's been our problem. Maybe this year we're weak at center, yeah. Uh, but as you said, I, I got faith in, in Edwards. He looks fluid to me. He looks like he can play. I don't know what if he's sick or, or hurt or what he is. Uh, but uh, I think our biggest problem is people are shooting the threes more and more and more every day. Uh, it, it wasn't that way 10, 20 years ago. Uh, they're shooting the threes. They're shooting them well. And we're giving them a lot of threes, wide open threes. And I, I think that's one of our problems. That's, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Very well said. I, I agree with everything that you said. You know, I mean, and like I said earlier, um, I think there's ways to get the big men involved. I mean, you don't have to be where you just throw them into the post and then, you know, watch them go to work. There's other ways that you can get them involved. But we have a rich history of big men at Syracuse. So, you know what I mean? I mean, just going down the whole list. I mean, we have we have a, a strong tradition of very good big men. So, you know, I'm proud to be a part of that tradition along with Roosevelt Bowie, along with Renzo Onowaku. So, um, you know, but but as far as far as what we need to do to go further, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a tough year where our fans are going to have to just be a little bit patient. They're young. They're learning. I just want and we was talking about it in the break. I want everybody to come back next year and come back strong. And when I say everybody, including Elijah Hughes, he has definite NBA potential. But I think next year they could be fit. Now, I respect the fact if he has to go and do his best for him, if he's going to be a lottery pick or whatever, you know what I mean? More power to him. But we can really be strong this year and learn, use this year here to really fine tune and everybody, you know, get used to playing with each other and everything like that. But, you know, they're growing. They're obviously growing. It might not show in the wins and losses, but they are growing as a team. Oh yeah, they're definitely growing. And I, I for one, I'm in I'm in contact with Jesse Edwards. You know, I, I talk to him from time to time. Uh, we do the what's the WhatsApp thing. So uh, I, 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 I I'm always supporting him. His skill set. He's long. He's uh, he's a little light in the pants. But when you when you when you when you're smaller than the other players, you just got to make more contact. So. His his thing is keep working, and by next year he'll be a totally different player. And I think even later in this year he can be a a, a good player. But then again, I'm not coaching, so uh, they've got to they've got to see what he's doing day to day. But uh, I like the the one thing that I would say is the attitudes of our big guys. You've got to want the ball more. Now I know Etan, you wanted the ball like every time down the floor, and I wanted the <laughs> ball every time down the floor plus two. So. <laughs> You gotta want it, call for it, <laughs> and then you then guys start noticing you when you're down there, like ripping your clothes off. Saying, I want the ball. All right, guys, we right. gotta wrap it up. Uh, we got speaking of big men, we've got the big men's coach coming up next. The Alan Griffin Show every Thursday at noon from Atilio's is coming up next on ESPN Radio Syracuse.